Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Good morning again, visitors. We're so glad you're here. And I have the privilege this morning of beginning a new series called Culture Clash, and we're going to have a blast. We're going to have an incredible time over the next several weeks. Um, when I was in Bible school, I worked at a convenience store. I was the night, night shift guy, so I worked midnight turn. And uh, they moved me to a new store, and as I began to work the store, a police officer began to come in. He was Officer Bob, and uh, Bob came in, and he'd come in about 3 a.m. in the morning, and he would talk to me while I was facing shelves and doing all that stuff, and Bob liked to cuss, so he cussed quite a bit, but I have never stopped anyone from cussing because um, I've always believed this philosophy. Dogs bark, cats meow, birds tweet, and non-Christians do what non-Christians do, right? I mean, they, they do. So I, I didn't want to shut the door for me to be able to lead them to Christ. So, it, you know, I, I was fine, and he, he cussed a lot. And we developed this incredible relationship and uh, became friends. And one of the things I noticed on my night shift was the fact that a lot of guys would come in. I had two big nightclubs across the street. They'd come in 2, 3 in the morning, hardly able to walk. They'd get out of their car. I don't know how they didn't run into the building. And so I asked Officer Bob, I said, hey, if, if I give you a call, will you take these guys home? I'll keep their keys. But if you're going to take them downtown, I said, I'm not going to call you. I'll call a friend. And he says, as long as they're not in their car, I'll take them home. When he, if he sees them in their car, he has to take them downtown. So I, I began to do that, and I did it weekly, and Officer Bob would come and take these guys home, and they'd come back later and thank me, like, oh, thank you, thank you. I probably would have killed myself, and I said, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I don't want you to kill yourself or someone else. And uh, so our relationship was strong. One day, Officer Bob came in, and he began to tell me a dirty joke, and I wasn't sure at first. Then I realized this is going to be a sexually dirty joke. So we have a relationship, and and I would have stopped him if I didn't have a relationship. And I said, I said, Bob, you know I'm a Christian. Not a Bible school student. You know I'm a Christian. He said, yeah, I know, I know you're a Christian. I said, I, I've made a vow to God that I'm going to stay sexually pure. And I, I said, I really believe the Bible teaches we shouldn't have any sex outside of marriage. And I believe that pornography would be wrong or dirty stories are wrong. And I said, I hope you understand. I don't care if you tell that to 100 people. I don't care what you do. But I'd rather not hear it. So I want, do you see the spirit there? I'm not belittling him. I'm not, not doing anything like that. I'm just wanting to keep myself pure. And um, so he became very angry with me, and he stormed out. But he kept coming in, and, and, and uh, he just swore more every time he came in, <laughs> which is what all of our non-Christian friends do once they know we're Christians. And, and so uh, time went on, but then then eventually, one night he walked in, and he was so down, and I could see how down he was, and I said, I said Bob, what's wrong? And, and, and he said, oh, my wife, he said, she's driving me crazy, and I, we got in a big fight tonight. So I'm, I'm in my early 20s, not married. He's in his early 30s, married, and I said, I said maybe I can help you, you know? So I didn't know if I could or not, but I, I thought, I'll give this a shot, and, and uh, so, so he told me, he told me the problem, and thankfully, if you read your Bible, there's a lot of wisdom in there. So, so I gave him just some principles. I said, this should work, that should work, and, and he was, it was like a weight was lifted off his shoulder, and I was able to help him see it from a different perspective, and, uh, and he was so happy after that, and he began to open up more with me, 
And not too, too long after that, I was able to lead him to Christ. And that was exciting. Then we became really close friends. And uh, he was going to school uh, part-time as, as a police officer, and he became a CPA. And he actually became the number one a CPA for a big church there in Tulsa. And when I left Tulsa, I was so excited about the fact God gave me some, some chance with this man. And I share the story just to talk about culture clash. Um, when you and I live in the world, there are going to be times when the Bible asks us to live one way, people in the world live another way, and sometimes there will be a clash. It may not always be like that, but there will be some clashes. And that's, that's what we're going to talk about in, in this series. Um, <clears throat> people in the world... Uh, most of them are great people that just don't understand. They, they don't know. And they've bought into a lot of lies just because they're naive, because they don't realize there's an evil you know, devil. They don't realize there's a, you know, there's a God, there's evil, there's good. They don't realize all that's happening. And uh, there are some people in our culture, they have defied God. And we'll talk about them throughout this series as far as their spirit. They've defied God and they boldly declare the Bible's not from God, these principles are outdated, and that's, that's what we're going to deal with. Um, we're not going to deal with culture from the sense of, uh, you know, being relevant. I, I think it's good to be as relevant as we can with culture, you know, uh, change our music style as we go. Uh, how many of us change hairdos? You know, I remember when we started the church in the 80s, my wife had the real puffy hair, and she looked adorable, but, but na na now it's a now it's straight, right? Right? It changed. And she changed with, with, with changes. She, she changed. And some of us don't ever change. Like when I was in high school, um, uh, I saw the movie uh, Saturday Night Fever. And, uh, and I, my dad had cut my hair up to that point. I found a beautician. I went to a beautician. She said, what do you want me to do? I said, I want my hair exactly like John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. So I haven't changed it since. It's just shorter and I lost some. But... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever change it. I go to my barber. He says, why don't you part it? I go, oh, no, this has been, this has been a 50-year deal. So, you know, <laughs> we got to keep it the same. So some of us don't change some things, and I think we all know that. But, but here's the problem I want, I want to deal with today. I'm not talking about culture and changing with the times. I'm talking about um, culture clashing with the principles of the Bible and buying into something. And then we have to live in that. And there's conflict when we live in that, when we decide to follow God. But here's a huge problem. You ready? It slipped into the church, and there are Christians that don't even understand and realize they've bought into cultural attitudes that are unbiblical. And you'll have Christians say things like this. this. This is really, really important for us to understand. I know the Bible says this, but culture's changed. Things are different, and it just doesn't work today. And, and I want to say to you, if, if it's really in the Bible, it always works. But, but there will be a conflict if we decide to follow it. And I think it's important just at, up, up front just to read a couple cool scriptures. And here's the first one, Malachi 3, 6. And it says this, For I am the Lord, I do not change. That is why you are not already utterly destroyed, for my mercy endures forever. This is such a cool scripture. See the latter part? The Israelis at this time have walked away from God, totally walked away from him. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't living for him like their grandparents and their parents. And they had a covenant through Moses, the Mosaic covenant. They blew it all off, and they were living any way they want. And they were saying, you know what? That worked for them, but things are different, and those people don't understand. 
And so God's writing Malachi to them to get them back on track. It's all about getting them back on track. So when he says, I'm, I'm the Lord and I don't change, here's what he's trying to say. You guys say things are different. The Bible's outdated, but I haven't changed. And he says, here's an example. In the covenant, you, these guys were circumcised. They're in the Mosaic covenant. He says, in the covenant, you know that if you break the rule, I have a right to literally destroy you. That was the rules of the covenant. And he says, let me tell you how I don't change. I'm a God of mercy, and, and I didn't do that because my mercy endures forever. And he's trying to help them see, I, I never change. How many of us are glad for the mercy of God? Now, we're not under that covenant, so say, I'm glad I'm not under that covenant. Okay, now, take a look at Isaiah 40 and verse 8. It, it says this, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. And this is quoted in, our, in 1 Peter. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. The Bible never changes. The principles never change. Now, we need wisdom in this culture to present those things. We need to present them with dignity. Uh, we must make sure we don't degrade and belittle people, uh, but we need, we need to teach what's in the Bible. Now, that's why one of our core values here at Believers, and if you're not familiar with our core values, you can go to our website, believers.cc, Check out all our core values. That's, that's what we, we run this church on. We run it on our core values. Um, here, here's one of our core values. We're married to the message, not the method. Our message is the unchanging word of God. Isn't that what the Bible just said? Method is constantly changing to reach a constantly changing culture. We are fluid and flexible, ready for anything that the future throws our way. I remember when I used to come to church, probably for 20 years, suit and tie, sometimes three-piece three-piece suits and one day I was ministering and I looked out and no one in the congregation had a suit on I thought this is not fair <laughs> I thought you know, you know the business guys had sweaters or something on or they were dressed like this and I thought that's just not fair and 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 culture changed and so I changed with culture now some people that are like I am with my haircut it's hard for them to see a pastor not wear a suit but how many of us can agree that that's not changing my message this morning? Can, can you understand that? that? That's what we're saying. It doesn't change. You never compromise the Bible. Culture does change when it comes to clothing and, and things like that. Now, here's what I want you to walk out remembering today. And I want to I bring this point across. This point will change our lives. Some of us know it. Some of us are walking in it. And for us, it's just taking it up another level. As I prepared these notes, it was like, God... This is bringing a revival in my heart. Thank you, man, that I have the opportunity to teach this series. I know it, but I need reminded of it. And it goes like this. We are called to be clean in a corrupt culture. We're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. Now, the corrupt culture, again, I'm not talking about trends. I'm not talking about gauges and tattoos. And God really could care less. Here, here's what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about things that come against the Bible, things that come about the principle, against the principles of the Bible. So I thought, I thought, let me help us understand, okay? Because these are things I'm still growing in. Do you know that I'm, I'm not per perfectly clean yet? I want to make sure, I don't want anyone walking out of here condemned. I don't want you to sit here condemned. Do you know that this is a process? It, it takes a lifetime. Now, we're to grow in it and keep getting better. I've cleaned some things out of my life. They'll never be there again. But, oh, I have a bunch more. I'm cleaning up, you know. And I, I might as well not pretend you all know it. So um, 
here, here, here's, here's the list, all right? And this is not all inclusive. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now, the effects of the corrupt nature are illicit sex. Now, illicit sex is any sex outside of marriage. That's, that's all it's referring to, any sex outside of marriage. Then perversions. And our culture has a lot of sexual perversions. You know, when this book was written, Galatians and also 1 Corinthians, right around that same time, Nero was the emperor of Rome. And you know what Nero did? Just to show you how culture has always been corrupt, Nero had a young boy castrated. His name was Sporus. He had him castrated, and he married him. He already had his, his female wife, but then he married this boy. That's a perversion, okay, just in case you wonder what perversion is. Um, promiscuity, we know what that is. Idolatry, drug use, hatred, rivalry. And I want you to notice, can you see some of the ones all of us are struggling with here? There's little ones and big ones, and those big ones are tough, or little ones are tough to overcome. And then there's jealousy. Uh, angry outbursts, selfish ambitions, conflict, factions, envy, drunkenness, wild partying, and similar things, which means not an all-inclusive list. Now, notice the first part. Now, the effects of the corrupt nature are obvious. I want to make sure we, we understand this, guys, because this is why I don't have condemnation, but I make sure I'm always striving to go forward. Just, God, I, I know I have to clean this up. God, I know I have to clean this up, especially these little things that are heart issues, but, but that, that, that corrupt nature is referring to your body. And, if, and we taught about this recently, Romans 6, 7, and 8. If you read Romans 6 and 7, here's what the Bible says. Your body, not your spirit, the real use your spirit, it's holy, blameless, and without fault in God's sight. It was born again when you accepted Jesus. Your body has a sin nature in it, and you can live out of your body or your spirit, and that's a lifelong battle and we have to fill ourselves with life in order to live out of our spirit. And we've talked about that. But our bodies were not changed when we accepted Jesus. And that baby will do whatever we allow it to do. And our soul has to be renewed or it will do everything it's always done. It will add things to what it does uh, after we accepted Christ. So there's this battle. And here's the heart of God. Uh, you are called to be clean in a corrupt culture. So what does God want us to do? God, God wants us to clean these things up. That's all. He wants us to clean these things up. And that's, in, in some denominations, uh, they'll call it uh, sanctification. And some people get a little overboard with it, and they make all these rules. In order to be sanctified, you can't go to a movie. You can't go to a dance. You can't do this. And what I would say is I think it's better to, to do the principles, you know, here's the principles you figure out. You know, if you go to a movie and it's bad, get up and walk out. Gina and I have walked out of quite a few movies. Now I just go online and I look at the parents' review for myself. <laughs> and they tell you every, every bad scene in the movie. They'll tell you there's this sexual scene. That's... So Gina and I, I'll look first and I'll say, Can't, I want to see that. Oh, I love that. I love that style of movie, but I, I'm not going to subject myself to that. And, and so, you know, but I do go to movies and I love when I find a great movie. Oh. I love a good action movie. I like this, you know, the shooting up and everything, but, but I don't like gory. But I, I, like, I like them, that, and I like the hero. The hero has to, to destroy the, the bad guy. If the hero's being destroyed, I won't watch that movie. Okay, so let me, let me show you something. Let me show you something. I, we talk about grace, guys. We talk about grace. And grace is God's incredible, incredible love towards us. And the Bible declares we're saved 
by grace through faith. We can't work for it. And when you accept Jesus, every sin you ever committed is forgiven. And all your future sins are forgiven. That's amazing, isn't it? That's the grace of God. It's beautiful. And sometimes we hear teaching on grace, and there's some guys on TV that do an incredible job teaching on grace. We hear some of those messages, and, and then we forget about the other side. Because grace has another side. And I want to read a scripture to you. It's absolutely incredible. It's Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. And it reads like this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That's what I just said. Now, listen to the next verse, verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. That's Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age. The present age is culture. Culture is always going to have uh, anti-God sentiments in it. Uh, we don't believe this is for today. You know, we do it this way. We worship idols, whatever it might be. And, and, and notice, the grace of God after it brings us into the kingdom, then the first thing it teaches us is I want you to say no to the worldly lust and passion. You're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. That's, that's the first thing the grace of God teaches us. In the next several verses, listen to those. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, L listen, and to purify or make clean, for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what's good. I'll, come, I'll, I'll read 15 in a moment, but take a look at verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of, of, of Jesus, the second coming. Now, I want to share something with you to give you a lot of hope. You ready? You know, whether Jesus comes when we're alive or we die, the idea is, and we'll see it in one more verse, the idea is to be ready, to be ready. And we're ready by purifying ourselves, keep, keep cleaning ourselves up. But you and I are living in a culture that's absolutely insane right now. It's a scary world if you don't know God. It's a very scary world. You know, Jesus said in these last days, people will die because their hearts were, will fail. He meant heart attack. He said, people that don't know God are going to have heart attacks when they see what's happening around the world. Now, just take, for instance, the Middle East. And in case you're new and you don't understand these things, when, when I first accepted Christ, I hated Jewish people. I grew up hating Jewish people. I made fun of them, didn't like them. Uh, that's, that's that spirit of the Antichrist. That was, it, it was in a lot of Italians I knew, and uh, we just didn't like Jewish people. Then I accepted Christ, and I realized they were God's favorite people, and I was like, I, I think a couple other races could have done better, Jesus. But, uh, <laughs> you, you know, and, and so I argued and I argued. But now, you understand, I'm just telling you where I was when I met Jesus. This world hates, they hate Jewish people. They don't even know why. And it's becoming more and more so. They, they do not like Jewish people. But do you know that God chose them as his, his, his favorite people? They're his favorite people. And, and do you know uh, that Jerusalem is the apple of his eyes? He says, I love that city more than I, I would have picked Rome, New York. God picked Jerusalem. That's, that's, his favorite, that's his favorite city. He has a covenant with the Jewish people. He said, I'll protect you, and I will make these things come to pass. So 
the Middle East is crazy. How, how about all those Arab countries? And I have a lot of Arab friends. Um, uh, all those Arab countries, they want to blow Israel off the map. Iran, which is a Persian nation, they say boldly, our goal is to blow Israel off the map. We want to destroy Israel. Why? Because the devil knows that's God's chosen people. And if he can destroy them, then God doesn't work. <laughs> and he's free and he doesn't have to burn for eternity. And he knows that. He wants, he wants to break this thing, but he, but he can't. And so think about what's happened with ISIS slash ISIL. We, everybody calls them something different. But you see how crazy that is? They're crazy. Do you know what happened this week? It's one of the most strategic things for end times. It's incredibly wild. This past week, just this past week, ISIS, they took over Yemen. <laughs> Yemen is one of the most geographical, um, strategic lands in, all the, on, in the world. And do you know why? They're at the entrance of the Seuss Canal. They can stop world trade. And, it, it, and they were friendly with the United States. Now, I don't believe this is uh, as much political as you and I do. I, I, don't, I, I honestly believe that no matter who our president was right now, I believe this is Bible prophecy coming to pass, guys. It, it, it's, just, it's, it's not stoppable. It, we can help protect ourselves and, and push some of it back, but it's not going to stop, and here's why. It's setting it up for, for the Antichrist. The Antichrist doesn't appear as the Antichrist at first. For the first three and a half years, he's a world hero because he solves the conflict in the Middle East. And so this crazy conflict, there's going to be someone that rises up and solves it. Even the Jewish people are going to say yes to the, they're going to sign a covenant with, with this guy, not knowing. Three and a half years in, he's going to stand up and say, hey, forgot to tell you, I'm God, worship me. And uh, then the Jewish people are going to run for cover at that time. So all of that's setting up. So when I see all the crazy world affairs, guys, I smile. Not because of death and people. I say, Jesus, it's closer to coming. And some of you know this, some of you don't. Do you know there's not one more sign that has to happen before Jesus can come back? There's only one thing. Do you know what it is? The Bible says he won't come back until the Father looks at him and says, the last person that needs to be a Christian is now a Christian. And, and I've said this before a couple times. I don't want... Jesus up in heaven saying, can I go, Dad? Can I go, Dad? And he goes, Pastor Joe and believers have a thousand more, and they're just slow. They're the slowest ones on the planet. I, I don't want that to happen, so, uh, uh, so, so uh, we're very careful here. So we're waiting for the blessed hope, but now while all this is going on, the craziness in the world, what does God want us to do? He gave himself to redeem us that we might purify for him, for, that he might purify for himself a people that are his very own, and then notice this, eager to do what's good. Heart of God is clean us. You're called to be clean in corrupt culture. And he wants us to be eager. How many of us know what the word eager means? Um, think about when you were a kid and it was Christmas Eve. It, you were eager to open those gifts, right? How many of us begged mom and dad, can I do it now, can I do it now, can I do it now? Um, no, no, no. Eager means, and, and God wants to bring you to a place to where you're cleaning yourself up and you are so eager to do what he considers good, which would be simple things like, I want to serve in church. I want to follow you with a passion. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to be generous towards your kingdom. I want to live for eternity. That's doing good. I want to help the poor. That's doing good. He says, I want, like Christmas Eve, I can't wait to open my gifts. I want you to be eager. Now notice verse 15. This, this, is, this is cool. He says, these then are the things you Pastor Titus, and this would be for me today, these are the things you should teach, encourage, and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone 
despise you. Now, notice the last sentence. Today, if pastors stand up and teach what the Bible says, there, there are even Christians that will despise us for doing it because they'll say, you know what? That was so in Bible days, but that's just not, that's just not culturally relevant today, and I don't believe that works today. And there are whole churches that are buying into that lie. And again, I think some churches bring things out really the wrong way, some preachers, but so many do a great job. And here's the bottom line. If you teach what's in the Bible, there's going to be, there's going to be conflict. And here's, here's what I want you to hear. If you live what's in the Bible, you will have some conflict in your life. That's culture clash. Did you notice this? In verse 15, it says to encourage. We love that on Sunday. But it also says to rebuke. Now, Bible rebuke is not what happened when I did something really bad and my dad lost his temper and screamed at me and some other things. Um, and I did that to my kids a couple times, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not picking on my dad. Um, but that's not that. It's not us losing our temper. It's not us. A rebuke is, you could have this voice. It's just saying something to someone and saying, you know what? You're not living what the Bible says, and here's what you need to do. That's, that's a rebuke. And, and I may do that one more time before we're done today. So I just want to make sure you understand uh, what it is. And what's my heart? I want to grow us. We're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. I think a majority of us in this room, we're striving towards that. We'll never be perfect, but we're, we're striving towards it. And, and it's not the, just the big things. It's all those things. Uh, listen to one more. This is powerful. Second uh, Peter 3.14, it says this. It says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, that's the second coming of Christ, if you read the verse, verses above, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Now, now make every effort like eager. I mean, I mean you, you make this a priority. What, what should our priority be as Christians? We have a lot of them, but what's one of them? To make every effort that we are spotless. That's clean. You're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. But also blameless. Blameless is how we, how we live our life. It's the decisions we make. It's how we treat other people. I'll tell you a, a, a crazy story. Uh, last week, I was looking at my checking account online, and I saw two charges to J.C. Penney's in Niles, and I hadn't been in there in 10 years, and, and, uh, and so I asked Gina, did you, no, I asked my kids, did any of you, no, no, dad, we didn't do it, and, and so I, I called my credit card company, and I said, I have two charges, and so here's what they say, well, that's your card, because Gina's card and my card end with four different numbers, that's your card, and I said, they said, did you lose it? I said, no, it's in my hand. Were you in pennies yesterday? I go, no, I wasn't in pennies. I, I said, I, I haven't been there for 10 years. They said, all right, we'll wipe those off. So I'm like, then they cancel my card and I shred it and then I'm waiting for a new card. I'm still waiting for my new card. So then yesterday I come home from church and I see a, a package at, in, in, at, in the door, at the door and I open it and it's two national championship uh, 2014 Ohio State different shirts from J.C. Penney's, and and I ordered them online, but they ran them through the Niles store. But now I, they're free. God blessed me. Yay, God! <laughs> so here here's what blameless is. I will call them tomorrow and fix that. I'll say put that back on. That's blameless. That's what it means to live a blameless lifestyle. Uh, we 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 live pure. But I, the thought did cross my mind. You know. <laughs> Maybe God wanted to bless me. Okay, here, here we go. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, you guys know what it means to be at peace with him, right? Be at peace with him. That means, you know, there's no walls blocking our relationship with, with God. So that's, that's at peace with God. And so when a Christian is not walking with the Lord, you know, when Jesus comes back, that, that, that's not where he wants you to be. You'll still go to heaven. You understand that. And I love what Dean Braxton taught last week. He'll look at you and he'll have love for you that's designed just for you. That's pretty cool. But all of us will eventually have to stand, not to great white throne judgment, that, that's where the world, the, the non-Christians stand. That's when he opens the books. That's, we don't stand there. We stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we'll be judged for our works. Not to decide if we go to heaven, but just simply our works and we'll be rewarded. And we'll see a verse as I close that talks about being rewarded. It's so cool. And the idea is, this is very important. We want to make ourselves ready. And part of making ourselves ready with him is you're called to be clean you're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. And I really believe today, and I, 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 you know, I've pastored now a long time. This has been true for 31 plus years, by the way. It's not just today. But so many people accept Christ, and they look at that as just simply the magic prayer, and now I don't have to do anything else. And the very next thing Jesus says to do is be water baptized. That's a commandment. And so many people don't do that. We have one coming up, by the way. And, and then thirdly, he says, I want you now to become spotless, blameless, and I want you also to be at peace with me when I come. And that's very, very important. That's the heart of God for each and every one of us. Now, here's something that I think is important for you and I to know. This is really important. Uh, the world's going to become crazier and worse as it becomes closer to the time of Jesus. Now, America... America is an incredible place. We were founded on Judeo-Christian values. Now, they're being thrown out one at a time, but this country was founded. I mean, we, we, we had a basis that was incredible, and now generations have forgot, and it's being thrown out by politicians on every side, and it's just being thrown out. And the world's going to become more and more against the principles of God. And that's okay. We're not called to fight that. If you, I mean, you can fight it politically if you're a politician, but we're not called to get all upset about it. You know what we're called to do? You're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. Pray for people, love people, bring people to Christ. That's what we're called to do. And, and listen to 2 Timothy 3.1. It says, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead as the end approaches. And I told you the end can come at any time at this point. Listen to where the difficult times come from. Verse 2. People are going to be self-absorbed. I love the Message Bible, by the way. Money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous, of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsive, wild, savage, uh, or uh, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, and this one I love, allergic to God. <laughs> and all of us, I was there when I was 18, 19. I mean, I, I, every one of those were me uh, before I met Jesus. And, and, uh, and the world's just going to become worse. That's all. That's all. But can we all agree there are good people that don't know Christ out there too? They're still living off of Judeo-Christian values. And, and you get into some other nations, and it's not like that. They're godless, some, some nations. And in lesson four, I'll show you some things that some governments... There's governments close to us that are passing some rules that are going to blow your mind. And, and, and I don't think we can change it, but here's what we can do. 
you're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. We can be like Daniel uh, when he lived in that corrupt culture. And we can be like all the others that lived under corrupt cultures. God's just called us to be a shining light. And you know what I found out when we're shining light? Man, it draws people eventually. You know Officer Bob? Eventually that drew Officer Bob to Christ. And it always seems to do that. But can all of us agree culture's changing? It's changing. When I, I grew up in the 70s, I was 12 in 1970, and I remember if they had a bedroom scene uh, on a TV show, uh, you know, the wife had long sleeve pajamas that were buttoned up to here, and she had long, lo long pant pajamas. The guy was dressed the same way. They had two beds in the bedroom, and, and the most you could get, you know, I was a teenager. I, I was hoping they'd do more, but um, <laughs> the, most, the, the most you could get was a peck. Good night, you know, and that was it. Can we all agree TV's changed a little bit? It's changed. George Carlin, who was a, a comedian that pushed the envelope, and I love stand-up comics. I, I have some that I, are very clean, and I just, I, I'll listen and laugh. I love those guys. And, and uh, so he was pushing the edge, and he had a routine called Seven Dirty Words You Can't Say on TV, and he'd say the dirty words and, and crack jokes about them. Do you know that he was doing that in a comedy club in 1972, and the police arrested him for profanity? Now, have you ever turned a comedy channel on? Is it a little different today, guys? It's crazy today. And so you and I are living in a culture that is ungodly, that's living in sin at the highest level. And if we don't hear some teachings like this in church, I have pastor friends that say, are you crazy teaching that? Are you nuts? Um, you're going to chase people away that don't know God or new Christians. And, and I just laugh at them. You know, last night we had one of the highest... Um, amount of people raise their hands on a Saturday night to accept Christ. It was wild. It, right after this teaching. And, and, uh, and, and I'm like, this, this, this doesn't hurt anything. How can a young Christian know lest they're taught? How can any of us be reminded lest we hear it? And this world is pushing us and trying to push us into a place where we don't need to be. And we live in this crazy culture. And again, I, like, I told you, I like watching TV shows. And if I see something bad, I just change the channel and and go to the news or something, sports channel. I just go somewhere else, and, and then I come back. And, and uh, I, why do I do that? The same reason I said to Officer Bob, hey, I don't want to hear your dirty joke. You're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. But can we all agree it's just not people? It's what we do behind closed doors, right? It's, it's, it's how we live our life every day of our life. And what I love is this. Some of you are here today, and you're struggling and you're like, Pastor Joe, I know that, but I'm struggling. Can I tell you there are areas in my life where I've struggled? And, and here's what I've learned. The Bible says when you need help, go to the throne of grace and say, God, this is, a, this is tough for me. I don't know why, but I need some grace to help me in this time of need. And God will help you. Sometimes you just need to take a day or two and pray and fast and say, God, I'm so disgusted with this. I'm giving you a day of prayer and fasting. Just, I don't know what to do. I, I need to overcome this. Can, can you see the ideas? You want to overcome it. Once God gets you there, he, he can clean us up. And sometimes we fight a little longer on some things. But, you know, this, the, can you all agree this is a tough message? If you're here and you're a student, and we'll have a, lot, a ton of students in our next service, uh, can I encourage you? I want to say something encouraging to you. I wasn't a Christian in high school. Uh, my, my kids were, and I watched my kids in high school, and, and they all lived, they, they, they clashed with culture, they all did it differently. My son Joe, he doesn't care what anyone thinks about him, and he had kids in the hallway outside the cafeteria praying at lunchtime every day. He didn't care. 
You, you have to be a unique personality not, not to care uh, about that. My other kids weren't that bold, but they still lived the life, and they still brought kids to youth. And so for the young people, you're dealing with peer pressure that at the highest level you'll ever deal with it in your life. You'll never deal with it at that level again. You know what I know after coming through high school? You never see anybody again. It doesn't matter. And, and uh, once you get out, you, you're like, why did I care? Um, you know, and, and, and yet, you, you know, you don't understand that because you're where I was. And so I'm not getting down on anyone here that's young. But can I tell you something? The best thing in the world you can do is hook up with other kids that love Jesus like you do. Go to Paramount on Wednesday nights. You, you have an incredible leader, and you have other leaders with them. They're just incredible people. But here's what's cool. We have some schools that have 12 kids from that school in Paramount. Isn't it cool when you go to school and you have all those other... We, we can't live life alone, guys. And so, young people, I encourage you, hook up. And I encourage you, encourage you, implore you, make Christian friends so they can help you face what I think is one of the toughest times. Can we all agree when we go out into the workforce, it's also, it's also a challenge sometimes, and we have to decide you're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. Here, here's something to end it all. This is encouraging. You ready? Uh, Matthew 10, 510, excuse me, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This is all about an eternal perspective. Righteousness is referring to living the opposite of Galatians 5. It's, it's what happened when I said to Officer Bob, hey, I don't want to hear that, and he was upset. It's just living godly in an ungodly world and being persecuted for it. Listen to verse 14. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Jesus. Two reasons Christians are persecuted, because we tell people I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, and we live holy. Two reasons we're persecuted. And if you've not been persecuted for either one, can I encourage you to live your life, your Christian life out loud a little bit more? Let's live it out loud a little bit more. Because here's why. Here's why, guys, if we live it out loud. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this motivates me. And, and I've known this a long time. I knew it when I was in that convenience store working. I love this. When I live for God and people come against me and persecute me, talk behind my back, whatever they do, some countries they throw you in jail. You know what's cool? Eternity's a lot longer than now. Can we all agree about that? And, and we all get to go to heaven. We all have inheritance. That's, but you know what else? There's rewards. And I decided in heaven I'm going to be Bill Gates. That's, I'm going to be Bill Gates. Because he's, he's living up on the top of the hill. He's one of the rich guys. And you know, know how I'm going to do it? I'm going to live full blast for Jesus down here because this world is fading and falling apart. And I'm going to live forever. And what I do now is going to impact forever. And, and if I can just leave you with that note, guys, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Remember this, you're called to be clean in a corrupt culture. Lord, I've done my best to bring out what you, you, you say is the second thing we should hear about after we accept Christ. Uh, Lord, all of us are at a different place in our walk. I believe the Holy Spirit filled in the blanks where I didn't do a great job. And Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for in making this individualized for each of us. And Lord, we take a moment, and myself included, we commit ourselves to you. And we make a decision that we're going to live clean in a corrupt culture even if it causes clash. Thank you, Jesus. 
And Lord, for some of us, uh, we're making some other commitments right now to you. And some of us are coming to the throne of grace saying, help me, help me. And Lord, I thank you for all of us that we can live clean in this corrupt culture. Guys, let's, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's, let's just stay in an attitude of prayer. Some of you, God's still speaking to your hearts. If you're here today and you're not sure of your forever, I want to give you a chance to be sure. You know, the Bible teaches us that whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. That's pretty, pretty cool. The Bible teaches us it's not by works, but by faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches us that Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. That's incredible. That's why even if we don't live and follow everything God's asking us to as a Christian, we still go to heaven. That's awesome. I'm excited about that. Jesus will still love us, but I want to please him when I, when he, I want him to say, Joe, that, that was a good job. You made a few mistakes, but that, that was pretty good. Thanks for making the effort, Joe. I want to hear that from Jesus. I really do. And I want you to hear that from Jesus. But this is about coming into the kingdom, accepting him as your savior. If, if you call on his name, he promised, I'll save you. I'll, I'll wash you of your sin. I'll, I'll make you pure in your spirit. And then you can begin the process that was taught today. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized. I'm not asking you to join our church. All of those are really good things. Here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day when you in your heart said to Jesus, I realize you're the Messiah and I make a decision to accept you today as my Savior and follow you? If you're here and you say, no, I prayed, wrote prayers, but I can't remember a day when it was personal. Why not today? He made you some wonderful promises. Heaven will be your future destination. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You're here and you say, Pastor Joe, that's me. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the building, would you help them? I know you've prayed the prayer, but help them. If you say this from your heart, the miracle happens. Say, Lord Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner and I repent of all my sins. And today, I give you my heart. I make a decision to follow you and I call you Lord and receive you as Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.